So today on the Sea Life Different podcast, we have Anne Gannon. So she's the perfect guest for the Sea Life Different podcast, which if you are a new listener, welcome. If you are an old listener, welcome back. The Sea Life Different podcast is for women by women, and our goal is to inspire you, empower you, and educate you. In 2013, Anne Gannon was ranked 11th nationally in the Tidalist U.S. Women's Amateur Rankings and was reigning Women's Eastern Amateur Champion in golf. So nine years early in 2004, Anne turned pro, but quickly realized that she drove around the country that summer listening to CNBC and reading the Wall Street Journal, that her true love was economics and business. And as the daughter of a lifelong entrepreneur, Anne knew her dream was to make a difference in the accounting world, not the golf course. She returned to school in 2004 to pursue her master's in accounting, and in 2007 was a licensed CPA working for one of the largest regional public accounting firms in Boston, Massachusetts. Now, she currently lives in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where my maternal family is from, (laughs) and in 2012, she left that large public accounting firm to build her own called The Logo Firm, which specializes in over-delivering for entrepreneurs and business owners. Anne believes unprecedented growth is due to believing in providing a team of experts for clients at an affordable and flat fee rate so that clients have a peace of mind that they know that they can call the logger group at any time and also in the early days of the pandemic and pivoted to have the logger group provide hands-on support for the hospitality industry which we all know was definitely in a fall and still is to this day so Anne and her team still provide pre-offering pre provide free offering to major corporations as well as individuals and small businesses that include the weekly check-in session to provide updates on everything they need to really keep their business up and afloat. So Anne has remained committed to providing that free education and assistance and her belief is now is the time to powerfully write your comeback story. So we're going to talk about that. <laughs> we're going to talk about her career, that huge pivot from golfing into the accounting world. And it is tax season. This episode is being recorded in March <laughs> and April in the U.S. So we're going to talk about it, and even if you don't want to talk about it. So hi, Erin. Right. Thank you so much. Hi. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yes. And I love that you love what you do and you found what you wanted to do at such a young age. But what was that like? What was that like when you walked away from the golf course and you're just like, this isn't it? This isn't it. I know. It was really hard, I think, at first, um, just because, you know, you spent so much time and energy and, you know, you think that that's really what you want to do forever. Um, You know, I think looking back, I realized that I was, like I said, more, always more curious about business. Um, you know, it really was a great way to meet a lot of entrepreneurs because a lot of business owners play golf and, um, you know, or entrepreneurs, dreamers play golf. So, you know, really met a lot of very interesting people along the way. But um, at the time, it was a really hard decision because, you know, you've just, you feel like you're, you wasted time. Um, and it really was a long time before I even, you know, thought about that part of my past, you know, kind of put it aside and, you know, accounting is different and really didn't want to, um, you know, draw on those experiences in the accounting world. Um, but what I realized, especially during the pandemic, is how um, the two are very connected, right? That, you know, in sports, you get knocked down all the time and you have to find a way to pick yourself back up. And I think that anyone who went through COVID kind of feels the same way. So (laughs) there's literally, uh, it was a good life lesson before COVID to have gone through all of the ups and downs of golf. 
I love that. Yeah, I think some of us do end up getting it early, and then the pandemic is really that. I told you so. Remember? So, I know. Uh, and I think that's super important, and especially with uh, there's a lot who, uh, even not in the athletic world, but just they, they all still working at major corporations when they really do just want to take that leap. They they see the struggles, and that's what they really want to do. So, what was that leap like to really just actually take action on the thing that you observe? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard, um, you know, especially as a woman, I think being in that corporation is hard. I mean, you know, I wanted to have kids and it's a very hard road, you know, a lot of times to find that balance. And um, so for me, that was kind of the turning point was just kind of thinking like, I want to be a mom and how is that going to work anyway? It's going to be really hard. So we might as well just pull the bandaid off and just rewrite, you know, as a, as a comeback from there. So uh, to me, that was really a big thing. But I think anyone who's thinking about making a leap is, like you said, you really at the core want to enjoy what you do. And I think sometimes, you know, it's hard in a corporate environment if you don't see it exactly the way you want to do things. So to me, it was just kind of that I would love to find a job that I love. And even if I know that it's hard, um, at least at the end of the day, you love what you do. And I think, you know, as hard as the road has been as an entrepreneur, and I think anyone who's done it, it's like a lot harder than you think before you leave. But, um, But finding that thing that you love to do, I think, is really the driving force. Yes, and I love that. And now here you are, a mom of two and an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love it. Now, tell me more about the um, free tools and tips that you would really observe when you would go out there in the hospitality industry and what you've learned about the accounting industry. Because even for me, and you know, I'm in the marketing industry, so when I see the hospitality industry, I'm making sure that they even know who the ideal branding client is who are they even yeah. marketing to not just spend yeah. ad money but now it's on the other side one of the most important sides of the accounting side so what are some things that you observed that you feel that businesses really should take action on moving forward yeah I mean I definitely think the biggest lesson of COVID or anytime really as a business owner is that as the owner you really are in control right I think a lot of times as owners we outsource accounting or finance um, just like we outsource anything else. And I'm sure it's probably similar in marketing that if you're, as an owner, don't know what's going on in that area, then it's probably not to your vision, right? Or you really, you know, you shouldn't be hands-off in financing and you probably shouldn't be hands-off in marketing either if you want it done right. And I think in COVID especially, although you would have said that you know, had even before COVID, that that really was true, right? The people who knew what was going on every week, they knew their cash, they knew their numbers, they knew how their business operates, were able to make like the quick changes and get back on the feet. Whereas the other ones who were kind of like, well, you know, I'm waiting for my bookkeeper to do her stuff. Like, that's not good, right? Like, even if you have a bookkeeper or you're an accounting team, you know, you still as an owner have to have that full control and awareness in order to make the best decisions. And I think that above all, I think is the lesson of COVID is if you didn't have that before and you kind of said, oh, it's fine. Like, you know, because pre-COVID in a lot of industries, the restaurant industry, especially, it was kind of the same every week, right? It was like, ah, my sales are about this. And then my numbers, and it was very predictable. You could pull like March of the last three years and it was very similar, right? And if it was different, it was something you knew about. I mean, everything's changed now, right? Like you can't look at last year and it's not the same. Costs have gone up, labor's gone up, sales are different. You have third parties. So it's not that set it and forget it anymore, but it's also a really good opportunity for a business owner to 
learn it and know it because every week we should be evaluating and pivoting and making sure that we're getting the most out of our business. That's super important, especially since I'm thinking about uh, all of uh, us women out there, especially those who ended up even ha- either having different financial partners if it isn't their spouse, um, or they have a different CFO if it isn't their spouse. So that's super important also of like, you know, yes, you have a CFO, even though uh, money may not be your expertise, but still having at least an idea of what's going on. Just like as a mom, you go to school, you go to that school to know what's going on. <laughs> right. And it's very true to relate it to parenting, right? Because as a parent, even if you're not, you know, an English expert, you want to know what they're doing in class so you can follow up at home. Same is true as a business owner, right? Like you can't just say, oh, it's not my problem because inherently it is, it's your baby, right? Your, I think your business is, is your child just as much as your child is. And so you have to have that, you know, communication and awareness. So that's a great analogy. <laughs> yeah, yes. And so speaking of technology, there's so many tools out there now that also have made it easier to really, uh, until it is really time to go to your CPA and your accountant and your bookkeeper. Um, but what are some uh, technology tools or apps that you recommend to help them keep, you know, an eye on their numbers? I mean, I think anything that, um, like you said, is, is time saving is, I think, first of all, I would say not being afraid of technology. I think a lot of times as business owners, it's like, well, I've always done it this way. So I'm always going to do it this way. And I don't need, you know, to invest money in technology. And that may be true, but I think educating yourself on technology because it's it's improved so quickly. I mean, especially at least in the restaurant world during COVID, there were a lot of leaps in technology that companies just invested in and and really thought this was a great time. So even the technology that you had in 19 is probably not the technology that exists in 21. So I would say, you know, approach it with an open mind because what we find, you know, in our world, any small business owner, the biggest technology savior is if you can have something that, you know, reads invoices and converts that. Like if you can all of a sudden get line item detail on your purchasing, that's a huge game changer for being able to adapt to rising prices, right? So if you have someone who doesn't have that technology, they don't know how much as a percentage their, you know, cost of milk has gone up. But if you have that technology without adding hours of time to your bookkeeper, you're able to get that history. So I would say the same on sales, anything that's able to, you know, get customer data and things like that. Because the more data you have, the easier it is to analyze. Okay. Yeah. And for me, because I'm not a I'm not number savvy. I'm creative, right? So I've used, uh, I think Intuit has had now has a suite of, of apps now, but yes. Intuit has the what, like QuickBooks and Mint and what else would, would you recommend from Intuit? Oh, I mean, they have, um, they integrate a lot with, um, you know, there's like Extra Chef for restaurants, um, like Chowbox. There's a lot of apps that go between your purchases and say an inventory system. But I think anyone who has, whether you're retail, restaurant, something that's going to capture your inventory purchases is, I think, the best investment. Great. Yeah, that's super important. And um, even now, I think beyond just, you know, when I go to restaurants or mom and pop restaurants, I, you know, see their their little square, it's a square or uh, the restaurant based, uh, you know, credit card processes too, because I think also for a while what happened prior to the pandemic, uh, especially the the uh, other cultures, right? They're so used to just cash only. And so many places actually stopped 
taking checks as well that they're doing either just uh, the wallet money or credit or debit yep. cards of you know how you accept uh, payments as well, especially once you drive in the uh, gig economy, right? The Uber and the Grubhub and, and the Postmates and all that, right? So how to really organize that, and that's super important. One of the fundamentals of really just understanding where your money coming from when it's coming from all different venues. Right, yes, definitely. Yeah, but I think those aren't bad things. You know, I think like you said, as an owner, you know, your you have to pay attention to what your customer wants. And it seems like customers want those options, right? They want the Apple Pay and the on their phone. And, that, and that's not a terrible thing. I mean, I think, you know, the old school mentality, like you said, like cash only, or I'm not going to have that. I mean, I think what you really have to think about is, are you turning your customers away, right? Because are you losing those customers that want to pay? And really, you know, it's similar to what people had the feeling about like third-party apps. Like, you know, even now you have restaurants say, I don't want to use Uber Eats because I don't want to pay the fee. I think what you found during the pandemic is you can have it both ways, right? Like as a restaurant, you can, and they now allow you to have a different price for people that want to order off of Uber, right? So if I want to order a hamburger from your restaurant and I want to do Uber, then as a customer, I'm okay with you charging me more, right? Like, I think that's pretty transparent now. So as a business owner, if you just give customers options, but you build in the price, right? So it doesn't cost you more to do it, then you're able to please your customers and have a solid business versus just saying, you know, I'm not going to do that at all. Because most customers seem to be aware that you're going to spend more to have it delivered, but that's okay. Because especially as a mom of kids, to me, like the third party apps are the best thing going, right? Like I don't mind spending $12 for a hamburger if I'm going to get it delivered when my kids are having meltdowns and I don't want to drive somewhere. So, you know, I think being aware of your customers is really important with technology. Yeah, and that's super important. I feel like that's that's the basic of customer service. Listen to the customers. You know, the customers are literally your bread and butter and, right. you know, literally listening to them. But what customer service tips do you also have for those who really want to um, just continue to thrive from here on out in their businesses? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, like you said, I think the biggest lesson is listening to your customers um, because I think customers have changed a lot. Uh, I was talking to one of our customers who was debating about if you should have, you know, when you're at a table, like allowing customers to pay their own check, right? Because there are those, you know, whatever you call it, like kiosk thing that they could put at the table where the customer would, you know, put in their card, pay their bill themselves and, and go in, you know, and the big fear is like, are you going to lose that interaction with the server? But in reality, where restaurants are right now, it's so hard to find reliable help that, you know, his argument was, I actually don't know that it would hurt the customer experience. As long as I have like a manager or somebody walking around, you know, now my customer can go pay their bill. They're not waiting for someone to bring a check back. And those little things may actually add to customer service if communicated effectively versus, you know, where this fear of everyone's going to be mad. And, you know, because I think people just want their a good service and they want a good experience, but it doesn't mean they don't necessarily also want to use technology. And I think the two can go hand in hand versus this either or, where a lot of times I think, you know, it's like, well, I've never had that, so I'm never going to have that. And I think we have to keep an open mind with technology because it can have a place in our business without sacrificing a relationship with our client. 
I love that. Yeah. And the first thing that really came to mind is um, there's a restaurant that I love called Red Robin. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I love them. I love their burgers. But I think for me, what kept me going every year is because of the free birthday burger. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I can right? get reward points. Right. <laughs> and what I realized, though, I think the last time I went, it wasn't a birthday. I think I had acquired enough points to just go just because. Yeah. And at first, it was my first time really kind of sitting at a restaurant. Most of the time, I'm ordering out anyway. So I sat there. And so I was like, so how do I pay? Just use this thing right in front of you. <laughs> right. And you're good to go. I'm like, oh, okay, great. And it was fine because I'm it like, I got it. You weren't anyway. like offended. No, it's a good thing. <laughs> yes, yes. So that, that's super important too, not being afraid of change and not being afraid of, you know, the, the good thing that technology brings. So, yes, yeah. exactly. I love it. Now, you actually are so passionate about this that you wrote a book called Never Again, an Entrepreneur's Guide to Creating a Resilient Business During the COVID-19 Pandemic, or even pandemic in the future. I feel like that book is going to be so relevant from here on out. But tell me more about that book. What really inspired you to write the book? And what are some pointers and maybe some of your favorite reviews that people have said what they loved about the book? Yeah, so I felt like it was a really good time to tell the story because, um, you know, just in our model compared to other CPAs, um, you know, I had like a front row seat to what was happening in real time, whereas a lot of CPAs, just because the model of, you know, not talking to their clients till the end of the year, you know, it took six, eight months. So they really realized what was going on, where for us, it was as real for us as any of our customers, because we're a flat fee monthly model. I didn't know if our customers would pay their bill for our business in April 2020. So it really was like, guys, we're all in it together. Let's figure this out because we we all want to survive this, right? And so we really had this urgency about us to say like, okay, I know you probably as a business owner don't care about looking at 2020, right? Or 2019 right now, right? Because we're in spring 2020. So we really need to figure out how to get you through next week and not worry about how we've always done it. But we, you know, have this accounting knowledge. How can we help you pivot and help you know your cash flow and really help you look at your business as we're going to move forward and, and just all get through it together. So, you know, I felt like it was a good time last year to tell that story because what amazed me were the business owners who were able to get through the pain, right? Cause it was a really painful time and a really frustrating time and beyond their control. And like you talk about so much the mindset, I mean, you had some business owners who were able to get out of bed and go to work and just see a path forward. And you had others that, weren't. And I think that that was the fundamental difference. There were some who were like, this is going to be great. I'm going to have, I'm going to get market share. I'm going to have a restaurant in every corner by the end of this, like, uh, you know, in it to win it. And then you had others who just could not get past looking backwards. Right. And I think that is the fundamental difference, but the ones that were able to, I mean, I feel like 10 years from now, when they finally get back to calm, they will look back and go, oh my God, like when you look at what you were able to overcome, you know, who would have ever thought that you'd have a restaurant where you literally knew there was zero revenue for the next month? Like, and there was nothing you could do about it, right? Like, depending on where you were, like, there's, it's not like, oh, let's go market. Like, no, it's zero. So starting there and being able to survive and come out of it, I mean, it was, it's amazing to me how strong they, they were. 
Yeah, that's super important. And I'm so glad you wrote the book. And it even reminded me, um, I had a marketing client that were they were trying to start their restaurant right before the pandemic uh, happened. And so uh, it, it never ended up being a complete project on my end because finances, right? But I remember I was trying to just kind of keep them. I mean, I, I didn't want their pages to really go dormant, right? Just because there's so many other restaurants who just really pivoted to memes or whatever needed needed to do to maybe make it more fun and just kind of still build the traction. And so I remember just kind of saying that. I'm like, well, don't stop now, even though the restaurant isn't ready yet. I mean, keep talking about the story, keep sharing the photos that you already have, like, don't stop. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it w- they will get through the other side. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, I want to, um, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, we will put the book in the show notes. But I also want to, for those of you who are watching on uh, YouTube or wherever else you're watching the podcast, I want you to show you what the name of it is on Amazon. And you can also and tell us where else it is also available. But I think for everyone who loved Amazon and wants to put it in their Kindle <laughs> library, it's right here for you. Yes. <laughs> yes, I love Amazon. So yeah, Amazon's great. Um, And we do also on our website have uh, free resources that relate to the book. Um, So please check out our website at thelargogroup.com because you will see, you know, free courses that we're offering all the time uh, to help business owners. Perfect. Great. And I will put the website in the show notes too. And uh, while we're also talking about that, tell me where else people can connect with the Largo Group and connect with Anne on social media. Yes, so we are on Instagram and uh, Facebook, but really our website, if you uh, if you click and uh, register as part of our um, email list, then we will send out a blast. We send out information as well as, I said, at least one course every month that's offered to all business owners. Great. Super helpful. Awesome. Now it's time for the uh, the fun question part of the See Like Different podcast. So I have about two or so questions that I love to ask. Some fun and some kind of deep thinking. So you ready? Okay. All right. (laughs) The first question is, uh, when the pandemic has slowed down a little bit more, where is the first place you want to travel to and why? Um, Arizona, I would say. I love I went there once uh, last year and I I loved it. I thought it was something about the West because I live, I've always been East Coast, but it was just like amazing to see all of the um, changes in the mountains. So yes, I would say Arizona. Yeah, the West is very different from the East, but what part of Arizona though? (laughs) Uh, I would say I went to Phoenix. It was just uh, very pretty, like the Phoenix Scottsdale area. And I'm, as a golfer, you know, I would, I would say that. Right. Plenty of <laughs> golf course out there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Okay. And then the next question is, I feel like you've done a great job of pretty much answering the question, but for those who missed it, what do you want your legacy to be? I would say my legacy um, is that I want to always help an entrepreneur, that my dad um, was an entrepreneur whose business to failed. And I saw what that what ha- is the result of that. And so my goal in life is to take accounting knowledge that I love, not everyone loves accounting, and be able to communicate it to a way that every business owner feels empowered. Got it. I love that. Empowered and not disempowered. I love that. Yes. Yes. And the last question, if no one got anything else from your conversation and all the mumble jumble of numbers and accounting and all that went right through their head, what is one thing that you want them to take away from this podcast episode? That they control their destiny, right? And you don't have to know accounting. Accounting is a skill. It is not a talent. Anybody can learn accounting. But at the end of the day, if you control your cash flow, you will control your business and then ultimately will control your life. 
I love it. Now, I actually have a bonus question for you. It came up just as what you said. Here we are. It's it's March, uh, April 2022, and there's this phrase called the Great Resignation. So my question for you, is it too late to start a business? Never. Never. Right? Never. And be realistic, right? It may take you five years to start and be fully out on your own. But if you see something and you see a need and you have a solution for it, do it, even if it's on the side, right? Because you will feel better about your life if you are loving what you do. So I would say, go for it. I love that. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Anne, for being a guest on the Sea Life Different Podcast. Oh, thank you so much.